0: Well, it is such a gift to be with all of you in this room, uh, those of you in Elliott Hall, as well as those of you joining us online. Uh, just out of curiosity, and, and I, I promise this is, this is a judgment-free zone, but um, I'm curious how many of you, just and raise your hand if you still have outstanding Christmas gifts to wrap. What a bunch of slackers. I'm feeling so much better about myself. I've been thinking about this how you can tell a lot about a person in how they wrap their gifts. When I was growing up, uh, my mom worked at Neiman Marcus, and I remember one Christmas break, I was out of school, and so she took me to work for the day, and mostly I just ran around Neiman Marcus. I was amazed by all the Christmas decorations, just channeling my inner Buddy the Elf. But at one point, uh, Mom was quite deliberate in uh, taking me on a tour of the gift wrapping department. Now, I'm not sure that exists anymore, but back then there was this entire workshop where they would wrap your presents for you. You had to pay, but they would wrap your gifts for you. And mom showed me how they would double fold all the creases so you would never see any uneven cuts. Every corner and and edge was in fold was geometrically perfect. The paper was thick, the ribbon was tight, the bow was artfully placed, and then they'd even put a little holly or parsley or some kind of garnish that made it look pretty Every gift was a work of art. You can tell a lot about a person by how they wrap their gifts. Psychologists have studied the effects of gift wrapping. Uh, One study found that the person receiving a gift was more likely to rate their gift favorably if it was neatly and properly wrapped. Now the flip side to that is that they've also found that gift receivers will have much higher expectations of the gift based on the quality of the wrap job so if you know you're gonna give dad a nose hair trimmer or a vacuum for Christmas you don't want to wrap that up nice because it's just they're just gonna be upset now before I forget uh, tonight we have a gift for all of you this is a wonderful book written by Tish Warren it's called prayer in the night it's really about how God meets us even in our struggles even in the hard places of life and we should have enough for one book per family and we'd love for you to grab one on your way out one per family Okay, you don't want to steal from the church on Christmas Eve, so. <laughs> you ever wonder why we wrap presents in the first place? So if you think about it, it's not really necessary. It takes time. It's extra work. Wrapping paper with inflation is getting expensive. So why do we even bother? Well, this is from an article that I found in The Atlantic. Uh, the article's title is Wrapper's Delight, A Brief History of Wrapping Paper. Don't you love that title? says we spend $8 billion a year on 227,000 miles of wrapping paper every Christmas. That's enough to wrap around the world nine times. This writer goes on to say that the reason we wrap something is that we want to turn it from a commodity into a gift. Right? If I go to the store and I buy a pair of pants... I don't wrap it up and then give it to myself and open it up later and like, wow, I love these pants. They're pleated and pleats are back. Like, this is great. I got exactly what I wanted. No, it's just a commodity. I went to the store, I gave him my credit card, and I take my new pants home. With a gift, though, the reason we wrap it is we want it to be received as a gift. And then uh, we want to create an element of surprise as well. Surprise. Uh, last week, Allie and I were part of this uh, Christmas gift exchange with our community group. So everybody who came brought a gift and uh, wrapped it up, and and then we we drew numbers, you know, for the order in which we would choose our gifts. Well, I drew number one, so I got to choose first. So I went and I looked under this beautiful tree, and there were, I mean, there were all these great-looking gifts. Uh, but there was this one that just kind of stood out for it, for the fact how it was exquisitely wrapped and I thought how my mom would so appreciate this wrap job and, and I was just, I found myself drawn to it. And so I grabbed this gift and I sat down back on the sofa and I opened it, opened it up in front of my friends and it was a refillable cat Kleenex dispenser. And my buddy Joshua was there, he said, "Sometimes you don't choose the gift, the gift just chooses you." And I... <laughs> Now, if you think I'm going to re-gift this, no way. I'm holding on to this till next Christmas, where it's going to my office, or Josh's office. But see, part of the joy of wrapping gifts is they get to be a surprise. You don't know what's going to be in there. There's a sense of wonder until you open it, and the more surprised we are, the more there is this sense of wonder. There's something about not knowing what to expect, almost like having the mind of a child, being open to to surprise and wonder. So we wrap our gifts to take a commodity and to turn it into a gift and then to create wonder, but then one other part of this, real important part, there's usually a tag that's attached to the gift, and we put our name on it. Because in order for there to be a gift, There needs to be a giver. And see, the reason we gather in this place today is that the great giver of gifts is our God, who so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Our God is a giver. And what we find in that passage that was read for us earlier on that first Christmas night is that that God came to us gift wrapped. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, the thing about this gift, it was not wrapped at Neiman's. These weren't designer swaddling cloths. This gift came to us wrapped in rags, in poverty, in the vulnerability of a child. And then we're given this detail, the gift was lying in a manger. Not some RH, high-end luxury crib, but a feeding trough in the middle of a barn. Now, sometimes when we think of barns, we tend to think of these serene rustic settings where you take your christmas family photo and there's reclaimed pallet wood everywhere chip and joanna kind of vibe going on there no this was a smelly dirty drafty manger if you were passing by that barn on that night you might have said a lot of things you might have said how sad how tragic i feel so bad for that homeless couple with a baby what's wrong with the world you might have said a lot of things, but you would never have said, "Look, there's the greatest gift that the world has ever been given. Look, there's God in that barn." In fact, you probably would have said the opposite. Where is God in this awful mess? Okay, that's Christmas. It's unexpected. It surprises us. It catches us off guard. A friend of mine's a pastor, and after church, one Christmas, everyone was you know mingling and having conversation when this little boy ran up to the pastor interrupted his conversation and he said your jokes aren't funny which kind of caught the pastor off guard the boy runs off but then he comes back again and he said and your sermons are too long and then he ran off and you know came back one more time and he said and they're boring And then the boy ran off again, and finally his mom kind of came from the other side of the sanctuary, and she said, Pastor, I'm so sorry. I have no idea what my son may have said to you, but he's in this phase where he just repeats everything he hears. (laughs) And in a way, Christmas is like that. It catches you off guard. It's not... It's not what you expected, that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, enters into human history swaddled, wrapped in humility and poverty and obscurity, which tells us there is no place God won't go, no depth to which he will not descend, nothing he will not do to bring his hope and his love and his joy and his freedom to anyone and everyone who is willing to receive him. Jesus comes to us wrapped in claws. Now, what's striking about this image, and uh, John Orberg has written about this, there are three different moments where that word wrapped is used to describe Jesus. Three different moments. The first, of course, was on Christmas night. But the second was on the night before he died. He was eating dinner with his disciples, his best friends, and we're told that he got up from the meal and he took off his outer clothing And wrapped a towel around his waist. So this time Jesus wraps himself in the clothes of a servant. And he gets down and he washes his disciples' feet. Which you have to understand in that day, in that culture, this was an act of humility so degrading that only slaves washed feet. No one had ever freely, willingly wrapped themselves with a towel and washed feet before. Never until this night. But that's what Jesus did for his friends. And and then he says to them, He says, Now you do the same. He was born in swaddling cloths. He wrapped himself in the form of a servant. And then the last thing we read about Jesus after he died, when they took his body down from the cross, we're told that they wrapped his body in linens. And the life that began wrapped in rags and lying in a manger would end wrapped in burial cloths and lying in a tomb. Jesus gave his life as a gift. But the thing about gifts is that sometimes they surprise us. And see, this is a gift that would not stay wrapped. And Jesus rose from that grave and he gave his life so that you and I can live. Maybe you walked into this room today and part of you was thinking, you know, it's been a long time since I've really thought about God. Or I'm not really sure what I think. Or if I'm even welcome in a place like this. Or this past year, I've kind of made a mess of things, a relationship I messed up or a habit I didn't clean up or some decisions that kind of blew up. And I want you to know you're not alone. You are not alone. This church is just a room full of people who the only reason we have anything to give is because God gave everything for us. The only, that's the only thing we have going for us. And if you want to know what lights God up, what fills God's heart with more joy than anything else is when one person comes to him and says, my life is a mess and apart from you I get lost and I end up hurting people and I hurt myself. God, would you help me? Would you heal me? And I'm ready to receive the gift of your son. And when someone makes that decision to receive the gift of Jesus, nothing fills the heart of our God with more joy. And you can do that right now you can receive this gift. You can open your life to Jesus. Now for others of you, it it, it may be to receive this gift once again, because God's love for us and Jesus is not, it's not just a gift that we receive once and we're done. He is, to quote the great theologian Cousin Eddie, he is the gift that keeps on giving your whole life and into eternity. And so for you, the invitation may be to ask Jesus to come all the way in to your heart and to help you grow and to transform you as you continue to receive the gift of God's love over and over and over again. Now, for some of you, I know that you have walked with God for a long time and you may have been a part of this church for a long time. I mean, you know the drill on Christmas Eve, like which pews have the best viewing angle for the donkey, you are the expert candle lighters. You know that when we're lighting each other's candles, if you have the flame, you don't lean your candle over because that would spill wax on your neighbor. You know that. You know that your neighbor is supposed to lean their, cable, their candle toward your candle, which is still straight up. And you know all this. You have walked with God for a long time. And so maybe for you, the invitation today is to be open to God surprising you in a new way and doing a new thing in your life. Because that's part of the wonder of receiving this gift. It surprises you, it catches you off guard. You had no idea it was coming, but that's, that's sort of the beauty of it. And so maybe for you today, it's this chance to say to God, I'm open and I'm ready to be surprised. God, would you use me? Would you send me? Would you show me a place where I can enter the mess? Where I can wrap myself in the towel and where I can serve and be a part of bringing your light into a place of darkness in just a moment we're going to light our candles and as we sing this most loved of all carols maybe you walked into this church today because your boss invited you and it just felt too uncomfortable to say no or it could be a family tradition and you're here to honor your granddad and I love that and if, for whatever reason, you might feel that you're far from God and you're thinking, there's no way that God, if there even is a God, there's no way that he would ever give himself, give himself for someone like me, I want you to hear this one thing before we pray. God gave his life as a gift for you. You see, religion, religion tells us how much we need to give to earn our way up to God. Christmas announces how much God gave to make his way down to you. He allowed himself to be wrapped in poverty, in scandal, in suffering. He gave up everything for you because he loves you. So would you receive the gift, this gift of his life and his light? Let's pray. So Jesus, we thank you that you came down for us. You didn't wait for us to make our way up to you. And God, right now, would you fill this room Fill everyone in this place with your light and your hope, even now, because Christ the Savior is born.